0: G. Allen, Carmelita was the name of the song. Folks, welcome to a special installment on what will become a series of documented serial killers and historical killers, straight from the pages of history. I am Pau Rojo, your host, and today we will be covering a man that went by the name, his birth name, Dr. Crippen. Holly Harvey Crippen, born in 1862 in Coldwater, Michigan. After qualifying to become a doctor and studying for many years, he graduated and moved to New York City. Entrusting his infant son, Otto, to the care of his parents after the death of his first wife in 1890. Six months later, he met Cora Turner, a stage actress and dancer, very confident and loud, with dark curly hair, generous hips, and a very beautiful figure. She could not have been more different than the good doctor. But the two found love at the time. Cora had hoped that by finding marriage to a very prominent person, it would secure her path toward her stage career, allowing her to feel more secure about income and allowing her the freedom to take the risk that those involved in the world of art would have to embark on. The rewards of making it countless For those that didn't, they would perish in poverty. In 1897, after having some failed difficulties with the business, Dr. Crippen moved to London, England, where he would encounter what would be the beginning of his demise. Cora would stay behind in America, but in 1900, she would move with him, and she wasted no time immersing herself in the social thrall of the London theatrical theme. The couple moved houses numerous times, and while living at 39 Hilltop Crescent in Camden Town, Cora had an affair with a young man, a student lodger. In 1901, Ethel Lanive, a quiet 18 years old secretary joined Crippen at the office and the two began an affair. The Crippen's marriage was disintegrating rapidly and towards the end of 1909, Crippen resolved to dismiss of Cora by any means necessary. Deliberately telling colleagues that he was concerned about her health, on January 17 of 1901, he ordered five grains of a drug used as a sedative from a chemist on Oxford Street. Cora Crippen was last seen alive on the 31st of January of 1910. Friends and neighbors were suspicious about her disappearance. Dr. Crippen reassured them that she had returned to the United States on family business. But he knew that they would not buy that. The heat might have been on. The act was crumbling down, and the curtain was bound to fall down on Dr. Crippen at any moment. The good doctor had no where to turn but to engage in another series of lies. He told the neighbors that Cora Crippen had died of pneumonia, and within a matter of weeks, he had moved young Ethel into the house On June the 30th of 1910, Scotland Yard were informed about Cora's disappearance and Crippen was interviewed by the police. He lied again, telling Inspector Walter Drew that his wife had left him for another man and he had been too embarrassed to tell his neighbors. After days of being interviewed, him and Ethel they fled. They bordered the SS Montrose, a transatlantic liner bound for Montreal. And on July 14, shortly after the couple had fled, 39 Hill Crescent was searched again and the remains of a female torso were found in the coal cellar. The body which turned out to be of Cora Crippen, had been mutilated so that it would fit into a small space. Crippen had moved her spine and her ribcage and burned them in the kitchen. He boiled her organs in acid and cut her head off, a head that would go on to be thrown into a local canal. An arrest warrant was immediately issued. While all of this was taking place Crippen was inside the Montrose traveling under the name Robinson and Ethel had disguised herself as a young boy pretending to be the son of Crippen. However, the captain of the ship Harry Kendall had been alerted of the hunt for the two fugitives. And unconvinced by Ethel's cheap disguise. He sent a message back to England via a new medium. It was called a wireless telegraph. The suspects on board were nervous. Inspector Drew quickly boarded the SS Laurentic, a much faster ship which overtook the Montrose arriving in Montreal a day earlier. As the Montrose duck drew boarded the ship and arrested Crippen and Ethel. Then he took them back to London for a trial. Crippen protested his innocence and wishing to protect her, he refused to allow young Ethel to stand as a defense witness on his behalf. The prosecutor argued he had tried to poison Cora, then shot her in the head after this fail. Crippen was found guilty of murder and hanged on the 23rd of November. His mistress was found not guilty of being an accessory after the fact. In October 2007, forensic scientist David Foran cast doubt on the conviction, claiming the new DNA evidence showed the body parts found in Crippen's home belonged to someone other than Cora Crippen. Adding another twist to this gruesome tale, this is indeed... Beyond comprehension. Police for her of Cora's disappearance from her friend, a woman named Kate Williams, better known as Volcana, but began to take matters more seriously when asked to investigate by a personal friend, Scotland Yard Superintendent Frank Forrest. The house was searched but nothing was found and Crippen was interviewed by Chief Inspector Walter Dew. Crippen admitted that he had fabricated the story as I had previously mentioned. But then he decided to flee to America. In the arrest, Crippen and Laniv were crossing the Atlantic and once they arrived, in the Montrose, in Canada, they were immediately arrested. The chief inspector, due from in Scotland jar after he got Crippen, Crippen replied, "Thank God, it's over. The suspense has been too great. I couldn't stand it any longer." He then held out a wrist for the handcuffs. Crippen and Lanev were arrested on July thirty-first, nineteen ten. Crippen was returned to England for trial. The prosecution witnesses were a pathologist that include Bernal Pillsbury, who testified they could not identify the torsos, remain or even whatever they were, male or female. However, Bernal Spilsbury found a piece of skin that he claimed to be an abdominal scar consistent With Cora's medical history, large quantities of a toxic compound were found in the remains and Crippen had bought the drug before the murder from a local chemist. The defense told the court that Cora had fled to America with another man named Bruce Miller and that Cora and Holly Crippen had been living at the house since 1905, suggesting a previous owner of the house was responsible for the placements of the remains. The defendant asserted that the abdominal scar identified was really that of Cora, for among other things, it had hair follicles growing from him. Something scar tissue could not have, Speltberry noted. The glands appear at the end, but not the middle of the scar. Other evidence by the prosecution included a piece of a man's pajama top, supposedly from a pair Cora had given Crippen a year earlier. The other half of the button were found on Crippen's bedroom, but not the top. The manufacturer at the time was Jones Brawls a bleacher, a bleached hair, consistent with Cora's fragment came from and stated that the product was not sold prior to 1908, thus placing the date of the manufacturer well within the time period when Crippens occupied the house and Cora gave the gamut to Holly a year before 1909. Throughout the procedure, in his sentencing, Crippen showed no remorse for his wife, only concern for his lover's reputation. The jury found Crippen guilty after twenty-seven minutes of deliberations. His lover was not was acquitted. Crippen never gave any reason for killing his wife. Several theories have come about, noting that there was a belief that he was using a depressant but accidentally gave her an overdose and panic when he killed when she died. It is said that Hall decided to lead Crippen's defense because another theory was to be pronounced. In, eight, in 1981, several British newspapers reported to have claimed that they met Ethel Lenev in 1930 in Austria, where she told him that Crippen murdered his wife because she had syphilis. The execution of Crippen took place in November, Wednesday, November 23, 1910 at 9 a.m. in London. Lenev said that she sailed to the United States before setting in Canada, finding work as a typist. She returned to England in 1915 and died in 1967. At her request, a picture of Dr. Crippen was placed in her coffin and buried with her. Her photograph was also placed in his coffin and buried with him. Crippen's grave grounds are not marked by a stone. Tradition has it that soon after his burial, a rosebush was planted over it. Some of his relatives in Michigan had begun to lobby for his remains to be brought to the United States of America. Questions have risen about the investigation trial and evidence that convicted Crippen in 1910 at the original trial. Have not been totally verified, many believe that the torso found was that of a patient in which Crippen was conducting an abortion, and perhaps that patient died. But if this was true, the remains of Cora, or where did Cora went, have never been discussed to the point where we have any whereabouts of this lady. In October, 2007, Michigan State University forensic scientist David Foran claimed that DNA evidence showed the remains found beneath Crippen's cellar floor were not those of his wife, Cora Crippen. They have used three living relatives of Cora Crippen's great nieces By providing this DNA, researchers were able to compare the DNA with the DNA extracted from the flesh taken from the torso in Crippen's cellar. The original remains were also tested using highly sensitive Y chromosome that was found in the flesh sample. And if determined that this was a male, could this have been the male lover that Cora had at the time? It is unknown. The same research team also argued that a scar found on the torso's abdomen, which the original trial prosecution argued was the same one Mrs. Crippen was known to have, was incorrectly identified. But the scientists found here fossils, fossils in the tissue which should not have been presented in a scar a medical fact which Crippen defense used at his trial. However, new scientific evidence for Crippen's innocence has been disputed. English journalist and author David novish said, the body being male is not is not a legitimate finding. The American team was using a special technique that was very new only by this team and working on a single century old slide described by the team leader as less than an optimal sample. Foran responded by saying tests show unequivocally that the remains were male, traces of blunt hair, fine. That this DNA was not of Cora, another researcher said that they asked to provide with samples from the DNA testing, but the request has been denied several times. However, New Scotland Yard was willing to test a hair from the crime scene for a fee, which in turn was rejected by the investigators as over the top. Researchers have concluded that police and those researchers are not of police officers. However, a group of researchers have concluded that police planted the body and particularly the fragments of the pyjama top at the scene to incriminate Crippen. He suggests the Scotland Yard was under tremendous public pressure to find and bring to trial as the suspect of this heinous crime. An independent observer points out that the case did not become public until after the remains were found. On December 2009, the UK Criminal Case Review Commission, having reviewed the case, declared that the Court of Appeal will not hear the case to pardon Crippen. This is indeed, folks, a, a very bizarre, Crime based on DNA findings? Could it be a cover up based on the fact that this man was hanged and perhaps it could be uncovered that they hanged an innocent man? Then again, why was Crippen releasing his hands in the air and saying that he was relieved that it was finally over? Was Crippen and men conducting abortions that went wrong? Was Crippen a man who was enjoying killing? Was Cora Crippen a serial killer? And perhaps she went on the loose, letting the good doctor to take the fall. Perhaps both of them were involved in something much sinister. We will never know. A very curious incident took place in Spain that D.B. Dabo Amusement Park in Barcelona, a machine built in 1921, recreates the execution of Dr. Crippen. A waxwork of Crippen was in displayed in 1910 until 2016 in the Chamber of Horrors of Madame Tussain in London. During the Dutch... Dodger Bank earthquake in 1931, the stronger earthquake ever recorded in the United Kingdom. This was a very interesting thing that took place. The head of Crippen fell off the waxwork. (laughs) Folks, the seed of evil indeed lives in every human. Make sure you do not place it on the earth because there is no coming back once you cross the line, as some men in history have done. This concludes this special episode of Historical Murderers. Until the next time, I am Paul Rojo, signing off.